Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. For those who are wondering, 1999 was the last time we did the book of Revelation, so 18 years ago was the last time we were there in uh, the book of Revelation. I looked at the uh, notes this week and found uh, the old notes, 1999, so a long time ago, 18 years since we were last in this book, so uh, probably is time to revisit it. Revelation. Chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, to bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we do thank you for this night. We thank you as we come now to the book of Revelation, that, Lord, you would guide our time over the weeks and the months to come, that, Lord God, you just help us to gain an understanding of it. As we introduce the book tonight, Father God, I pray that you'd give us wisdom, and give me wisdom, Father, and uh, just allow me to speak with clarity, and uh, may this be a blessing to our hearts this night. And may you receive all the praise and all the glory. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, over the centuries, prophecies have come and prophecies have gone. The book of Revelation, written close to the end of the first century, is still with us today. You know, uh, when you think about the book of Revelation, it's one of those books that fascinates some and yet confuses others. Uh, some people love to read Revelation, love to speculate in Revelation, love to spend time in Revelation. Others simply just think that it ought to be ignored and uh, never be opened, and hopefully one day we'll understand it. But you know, the book of Revelation contains many messages and many mysteries. And Revelation is the only prophetic book in the New Testament and therefore, it's important. And yet, unfortunately, it's a book that is neglected by many and misinterpreted by many. And tonight, I want to take a little time to introduce this book to us before we embark upon uh, the study of it properly. I think it would do as well to just park a little while at the very beginning of the book and get the feel for what the book is all about. And all you know will be, first of all, tonight, then the author of this book. It says in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Now, I want you to notice that, uh, I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says the revelation of St. John the Divine. Others say the revelation of the Apostle John. Uh, maybe your Bible doesn't say anything, but most Bibles do give a title to this book, which they don't give to all the other books of the New Testament, they use this one. But you know, it's not the revelation of John the Apostle, nor is it the revelation of John the Divine. 
It's actually the revelation of Jesus Christ as given by God the Father. Notice what it says in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. God gave this revelation unto the Son. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ as given by the Father. It was then sent to his servant John. As you go on in verse 1, it says at the end of the verse there, and he sent it and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. It's true that it arrives eventually with John, but this is not the revelation of John the Apostle. It's not revelation of John the Divine. And I doubt that John would like to be called the Divine, by the way. He probably would roll in his grave at that thought. It's not the revelation of John the Apostle. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ as given by the Father to the Son. It's interesting that it says servants, angels in John, because it says in verse 1, to show unto his servants things which must surely come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. John is the instrument through which this book is given to you and I. But this book is about Jesus Christ. He's the grand theme of the book of Revelation. From the outside set of this book, we are given the most important truth about the book of Revelation that you and I need to understand, comprehend, and remember as we study the book that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book does show you and I about the Antichrist. It does show us about God's judgment. It shows us the calamity on the earth. It shows us the mystery of Babylon in vivid detail and so much more. But most of all, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ to us. You see, it's not really the revelation of future events. Now, I know that's the way that most people perceive this book. This book is this wonderful, intriguing book that we all want to read because it gives us insights of the future. It's like, it's like you know, we, we want to have a, a, look, a, a look into the crystal ball of God's Word, so to speak, and see the future. And that's what we perceive this book's about. But it's not really a revelation of the future. Ultimately, this book is a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's true, it mentions future events. But that's not what the book is all about. And if we catch everything else but miss Jesus in this book, we've missed the purpose of this book. Okay? Because God spells it out at the beginning. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ given to him by the Father. It's all about Christ. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because that's what the whole Bible's about, isn't it? It's all about Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, we have the story of the unfolding redemption as found in Jesus Christ. And it shouldn't surprise us the book of Revelation is no different. It's about Christ. Now, many people love to look for the sensational in this book, and there is a lot of sensation in the book of Revelation. There's no doubt about it. But it's about Christ. The whole book concerns him. Nobody can read the book of Revelation without gaining a clearer view of who Jesus Christ is. And it's my endeavor during the time that we're going to study the book of Revelation to reveal Christ unto us through its pages. Now, if you're expecting to find some secret things out during this study, about, you know, uh, uh, dates, 
about countries, about, you know, pulling things that are happening in the world today and identifying them exactly in the book of Revelation, I'm probably going to disappoint you. Because I've lived long enough to know that people who did that when I was in Bible college, uh, you know, 40 years ago, 42 years ago, uh, wrote books like uh, Hal Lindsey wrote a series of books on the late great planet Earth and, and other things, and much of what he said no longer holds true today because history has overtaken his interpretation of the prophetic word. So I've lived long enough to know that uh, if I speculate on what's in the book of Revelation, I may well find that I live long enough to see God basically says, I told you you wouldn't know all these things and you shouldn't speculate. So we'll give evidence when there is evidence given, but when it's left to speculation, that's what it will be, speculation, okay? Because this is really the revelation of Jesus Christ. As I said, the whole book concerns him. So then this book about Christ is given to John the Apostle. John is simply the servant God uses to write it down for us. And we know it's John because John calls himself by name five times in this book in verse 1. He says uh, by his angel unto his servant John in verse 4 of this chapter. He says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. In verse 9, he says, I, John, who am also your brother. In uh, chapter 21 and verse 2. He says, and I, John, saw the holy city. In Revelation 22 and verse 8, he says, and I, John, saw these things and heard them. So at the beginning of the book, John identifies himself as the author of this book. And at the end of uh, the, chapter, the chapter, John identifies himself as the writer of this book. So he is the one who pens the words of this revelation of Jesus Christ given by the Father presented to his servants, and ultimately presented to John. John is the one who pens these words for us, John the Apostle. But you know, more importantly, is what John identifies himself as. It's interesting. You know, John identifies himself in verse 1 as his servant. You know, people who have translated the Bible in English have called it the revelation of John the Divine, revelation of John the Apostle, but that's not even what John calls himself. If you, it should have been the revelation of John the servant. Because that's what John identifies himself. He says that I am his servant. And we see the humbleness of John. We see that John understands the significance of this book. It's not about him. It's about the Lord. And therefore he identifies himself as the servant of Almighty God. And, and there alone is an example for you and I to follow. Because we need to understand, you know, you think of John. John is one of the great apostles, isn't he? He's one of the, the great three of the inner circle. Peter, James, and John. John was the one who lay upon the, the, the chest of the Lord at the Last Supper and many other times. John was the one who Christ said unto him, you know, uh, uh, unto his disciple, uh, Behold thy mother, and to his mother, behold thy son. Uh, John is this significant person in the word of God. And yet John identifies himself as a servant. If John the Apostle, who is identified in the Gospels as being somebody so significant, calls himself a servant, then who and you and I to call ourselves anything other than a servant of Jesus Christ? 
John further identifies himself in verse 9 of this chapter. He says, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ. So I am your brother and companion in tribulation. And what, Paul's talk, what John's talking about here is the fact of where he is, because you go on in verse 1, he says uh, that, uh, was, uh, that he was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. John is in exile on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony he had of Christ. Because he stood up for Jesus Christ, because as the servant of the Lord, he testified of who Christ was, he finds himself in exile on the Isle of Patmos. John learned to suffer tribulation for the name of Christ. Like John, you and I need to learn to endure tribulation. Revelation was written about 95 AD during the reign of uh, Emperor Titus Flavius Domitian. And he had demanded that everybody should worship him, that's worship the emperor, as Lord and God. John was about 90 years of age at that time, and he refused to obey he wouldn't worship the emperor as Lord and God, for there was only one Lord, there was only one God. And if anybody knew who that was, that was John, the apostle. And the refusal of the Jews and the Christians alike to obey the command brought upon them great persecution. And legend tells us that John's refusal to bow to the emperor led to the emperor having him boiled in oil, which he survived. And so then the emperor had him exiled in the Isle of Patmos. Now, we will look a little bit more about that when we get down to verse 9, but the Isle of Patmos is simply a rock in the Aegean Sea. It's where the Romans had tin mines. If you, ever look, if you want to go home and get on the internet and have a look at the Isle of Patmos, there's not much vegetation on it. It's a very barren place. And he was exiled to this isle of Patmos for his, the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what he says. He says that uh, he, he was there on the isle of Patmos for the testimony, for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's a rock in Asia Minor, about 60 miles southwest of Ephesus. And as we consider John, and we will consider John, we can learn much from John's boldness for Jesus Christ. You know, he was the beloved apostle. But the love that, uh, he, and the reason why he's called the beloved apostle is not just because of the love the Lord had for him, but John's love for the Lord was such that it led him to testify for Christ, so much so that he ends up exiled on this island of Patmos. He has a boldness for Christ. And because of his love and his boldness for Christ, he is, finds himself on the island of Patmos, uh, persecuted, but the Lord blesses him. He receives this revelation of Jesus Christ, and he gets to write it down. Now, what a blessing for this man who has served the Lord all these years, and now is in the latter years of his life, exiled on an island in the middle of the Aegean Sea, separated from his loved ones, a prisoner, nowhere to go. And then God blesses him with this 
wonderful revelation. He suffered, but he got to see more than any other man had ever seen. You know, what a blessing it is, because when we endure tribulation, we know the Lord always blesses those who stand up for his word and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. We have nothing to fear for standing up for the Lord, because the Lord honors those who honor him. That's what John found out. So that's the author. What about the title of the book? It's just the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation means unveiling. And the Greek word gives us our English word, apocalypse, which means to uncover, to reveal, to make manifest. So the question is, what does the book of Revelation reveal? Well, as we said, it reveals Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revealing of Jesus Christ. The book is Jesus' revelation in a sense that it belongs to him. And also he is the one doing the revealing. And also he's the one being revealed. So he is the one revealing this to John. And he is the one being revealed to John in this prophecy. In this book, the Holy Spirit pulls back the curtain and gives us the privilege of seeing the glorified Christ in heaven. You know, in this early chapter, you, we, we see Christ standing in the midst of the churches and we see um, in later chapters glorified in glory and we see Jesus Christ coming back in glory. It reveals to you and I the wonderful picture of a glorified Christ. This book is an open book in which God reveals his plans and his purpose for the church in this church age. In fact, this book is written to seven churches. Look in verse 4. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. This book was written down by John as revealed to him by Jesus Christ to the churches in this age. It's interesting, when Daniel finished his book, he was given a very clear instruction, as we saw in our last time that we looked at Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, he was told to sh shut up the book. The book was closed. It was to be revealed in the last days. John's given the totally opposite instruction. Go into Revelation 22, please. Revelation 22. And verse 10. And he saith unto me, Seal not the book, uh, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Daniel was to shut up the book till the last days. John is told that he's not to seal up the book, for the time is at hand. Now, why? Why was he given a different structure than Daniel? Well, because of Calvary. The resurrection of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit with the ushering in of the last days, the very last days that Daniel talked about in Daniel chapter 12 where the Lord told him to shut up the book until the last days are the very days that Revelation talks about. 
And with the coming of the Holy Spirit, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the establishment of the church, we have the beginning of those last days. We're living in the last days. Now they've been going for 2,000 plus years, I know. But we are in the last days of man's history. We're in the days that Daniel speak of. We're in the days that Revelation speak of. And now both Daniel and Revelation are open unto us. Daniel is the key to the book of Revelation. And now we can understand Daniel so we can understand the book of Revelation because we're living in these last days. So what's the purpose of this book? Look in verse 1 again, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Here we're told what the purpose of this book is. There's an important reason why God gave this revelation of Jesus Christ to Jesus Christ, who then gave it to John to give unto us. He gave it to show unto his servants certain things. To show unto his servants things. God gave this revelation so that he might be shown or things might not be hidden. God wanted you and I in these last days, in this church age, to know some things. He wanted some things not to be hidden anymore. He wanted them to be shown. He wanted them to be seen. And that's why this is an apocalypse, a revelation, not an apocrypha. An apocrypha is something hidden. But this is not hidden. This is something that's open, something that's revealed. You know, some would say we should not concern ourselves with prophecy. That it's frivolous, a frivolous exercise to read prophecy, to study the book of Revelation. But if God was concerned enough to talk about it, and God was concerned enough to give it to us, and God was concerned enough to say that I want things to be unhidden, to be open, then surely you and I should concern ourselves enough to listen to what God has to say. And so it was given to his sermons to show things which must shortly come to pass. This describes when these events of this book will take place. They will happen shortly. It speaks of things that will happen in the future, at least in a future time for the writing of this book. It describes things must happen shortly. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3 says, This blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. The fulfillment of these things is at hand. The time was going to be shortly. Now, the time was not present at the time of writing. It's speaking of some future event, but it's going to happen shortly. The time is at hand. So what does the things which must shortly come to pass mean? How short is short? I mean, we're sitting 2,000 years on. So we're thinking, hang on a minute, that's not short. That's a long time, particularly when you only get to live, you know, 70, 80, 90 years. Uh, 2,000 years is a long time. So how short is short? 
How near is near, it says, for the time is at hand, which means it's near. How near is near? How short is short? How near is near? Well, short here and near here are relative terms. And this is God's timetable, not man's. One commentator put it this way, Yet for 2,000 years, history has been on the brink of the consummation of all things, running parallel to the edge, not running towards a distant brink. In other words, these events that are this church age, we're running alongside the edge of these events. They are, they are happening, they're unfolding before every eyes. And as you get closer to the end of the time, you see more and more evidences of what's happening. Walwood explains it this way, shortly in the ancient Greek phrase, which means quickly or suddenly coming to pass, indicating rapidity of execution after the beginning takes place. The idea is not that the event may occur soon, but that when it does, it will be sudden. In other words, these events will happen suddenly. When these things start to unfold, they will happen in rapid succession. They're going to happen shortly, they're going to happen suddenly, they're going to happen soon. He sent and signified it, it says, by his angel and his servant John. This describes how the message is delivered in the book of Revelation. It's a book of signs. And the angel signified this message to John by signs. He sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. It's a book that communicates in signs. Now, why does God use so many signs in the book of Revelation? After all, they've been the main cause of difficulty in this book, haven't they? I mean, you read some of the creatures that come out of the, the pit. You know, they've got heads of men and they've got wings of dragonflies. And what are they? And you read some things in this book and they're, they're bizarre. And people have tried to say, well, that's a helicopter. And tried to say it's this and tried to say it's that. And yet it doesn't seem to fit, you know. And, and why does God use signs? Why, why didn't he just make it clear? Is God playing a game of guess the mystery? In Revelation? Well, not at all. You see, the signs are necessary because John expresses things in heaven. Paul had said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 that he heard with an express, when he was in heaven, in the third heaven, he heard things which were inexpressible in words. He couldn't put them on paper. He couldn't speak of them. There was no description for them. And John describes for you and I things he has seen. So he can only use symbolic images to explain to us, this book is prophecy. But to John, he simply recorded unfolding events before him as he saw it. Remember, John is taken by the Spirit to see these things. And John is picturing the whole events of the book of Revelation before his very eyes. And he is trying to describe for you and I what he sees. And he's trying to put into words these images and things that, that are many times bizarre and, and unexplainable and indescribable. 
He's trying to give for you and I a picture of what he's seeing in the Revelation. One commentator said, John had visions from heaven, but he described them in his own language and manner, which is how all the authors write. They write in their style, in their manner, with their understanding. And John is trying to explain to us what he sees. And if some things seem bizarre to you and I, just think how bizarre they looked to John 2,000 years ago. I mean, some of these things may well be pictures of things that we know to be real, and we'll only know that when all these things unfold. But to John 2,000 years ago, many of them must have looked even more bizarre than they would to you and I. So the signs are necessary because there's tremendous power in symbolic language. It's one thing to call someone or something evil or bad, but it's far more vivid, isn't it, to describe the image of a woman drunk with blood of the saints. Look at Revelation chapter 17, verse 6. Verse 5 says, And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. I mean, that language paints a picture. I mean, he could have just said, and I saw a woman who was bad. I saw a woman who was evil. That doesn't portray much, does it? But to say, I saw a woman who was drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs paints a picture for you and I. And the book of Revelation is necessarily symbolic because there's many things that need to be described to give you and I an impact of the events that are taking place in language that conveys for you and I the intensity of those events. As we study this book of Revelation, Christ will be revealed to us as the exalted priest king in chapters 1 through 3, the glorified Lamb of God in chapters 4 through 5, the judge of all the earth in chapters 6 through 18, the king of kings in chapter 19, and the heavenly bridegroom in chapters 20 to 22. Through this book, we'll get to know our Savior better. Verse 2 says, Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Christ and of all the things that he saw. We are to be like Christ. We'll never be like him unless we know him. And the challenge for us as we read the book of Revelation is to get to know the Christ of the book. How well do we know Christ? I trust that through the study of the book of Revelation, we'll get to know him better. That we won't just know all the, you know, the, the spine-tiggling stuff and the hairs of the back of the head stuff, but we'll actually get to know our Savior better in this book. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the book of Revelation. And we do pray, Father God, that during our study of this book, that we would see Christ exalted, lifted up, and that, Lord God, we get to know him better, for it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And may we learn of him as we study it together, we pray. Bless we pray this night as we go to prayer. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.